know, Jared the Boss Man Show. We got a first-time guest for you on the show. Met this brother at Titans Training in Camp. I was with him for a couple of days. He is now the ESPN.com Titans reporter, Teron Davenport. Brother, what is good in the field, man? Talk to me. Oh, it's all good, man. I'm sitting here on the West End playing, uh, what do you call this game? Sandbag with with my with my wife and, and one of my daughters, man. Life is good, you know. Just got done work and we're just hanging out. Let me ask you, bro, uh, talk to me about how's your adjustment been to Nashville coming from, from up from Philly, man, coming down to Nashville? How's it been for you? Yeah, the adjustment has been fine. I mean, it's, it's obviously a slower-paced city, but I really like just the energy and the growth that this city is undergoing. So it, it's pretty cool, man. It's been a great adjustment. You know, um, there's a lot to do. And uh, my family and I, we're, we're really enjoying the, the switch. And, uh, you know, I can't wait for the wintertime where I don't have to worry about going to my car and turning it on or, well, before even turning it on, pouring hot water on, on the door so it unfreezes and then opening it and then uh, turning it on and it, it says two on the, uh, on the thermometer. So it's going to be an even better adjustment in the wintertime. And uh, how does it compare to your previous stops you had in your career, man? Did this Nashville stop for you? Um, it's I think it's a lot similar to Baltimore. You know, as far as the, the, the city itself is very similar to Baltimore. Uh, team wise, this is this is basically the same thing I saw in uh, Philly in 2016. To be honest with you. Um, it's just a, a young team, right? And they're figuring out they're, – they're trying to learn how to win. You know, and the thing that's different with this team is you got these guys that are winning close games, and that's something that the Eagles weren't able to do in, in 16. They lost so many close games, and all they needed was a few things to, to go their way and find things – find ways to make those things go their way. And they would have been a much better team, you know, had a much better record. But this Titans team is finding ways to win. I think the other thing that you have to look at is just the coaching staff itself, the way that they are so involved with these players. I mean, it's literally hands-on. They're literally out there breaking a sweat with, with the players as far as going through drills and, and those type of things. So that's similar. And just the energy. You know, um, I came in right after Chip Kelly and the crew left in Philly, and I'm coming in here right after Mike Malarkey and that crew left. And – it's the same type of vibe in the building where everybody is so refreshed. The different people I talk to, you know, they talk about just, you know, having a, a better mindset, you know, a more upbeat uh, mindset and feeling a part of something special. So those would be the similarities for me. I got you. In the 3-1 start after, was the preseason 0-4 in preseason, and you 3-3-1 uh, coming out of the first quarter of the year. That game in Miami, I know that Miami game probably like man the longest game probably in your career ever. All them stop stoppages they had in Miami, but coming off that game, losing Delaney Walker, uh, Lawan getting knocked out, and losing guys, my Mark Marcus got hurt in that game. I mean to come out of that and get through Marcus not being able to grip a ball or what have you, and now you're three and one under a new head coach and a new regime. I don't know the building over there at St. Thomas Sports Park must be very upbeat, must be very hype, and the guys are enjoying coming to work right now. Oh, yeah, they're definitely enjoying coming to work, and they have their saying for the boys, right? That's the whole thing. You know, it's it's a family atmosphere, and they're playing for each other as well as their, their head coach. So that's what you have, and you mentioned those, those uh, adverse situations that they had to face 
And I remember talking to Vrabel when I first got here. I asked him about the culture, and he was saying how he looked forward to going through an adverse situation, you know, facing some adversity, and how that would kind of give him a gauge on where the team really is culture-wise and and mentality-wise. And they've passed with flying colors. I mean, anytime you could go into a game without your starting quarterback and and figure out a way to put enough points up to beat a division rival in, in the Texans, You've done an excellent job. And then when you have your backup, you know, turn started, get knocked out, and you come in with, with Mariota and you, you beat a team like the Jaguars and they come back and do what they did against the Eagles coming back from 14 down, the character has been formed with this team, and I think it's really showing. So I'm definitely impressed. I think this is a team that should be in the top 10 rankings at, at the very least because you look at their back-to-back wins and, they're a solid team, a complete team. If they could continue to score points on offense, that defense is legit. So it's going to be interesting watching how the next four games play out for for the Titans. And speaking of that, perseverance through injury, Teron is like uh, losing Delaney Walk, losing Jonathan Jonathan Cyprian uh, out there. Vaccaro's now hurt. Different guys getting injured. Dennis Kelly was even out with an illness. I mean, and now you're losing guys left, left, and right, but you're still keeping on going. They have mentality of next man. I know it's kind of like life keeps going on next man up, but Bama to replace these guys, I think the coaching of the staff, the scheme is helping in the guys buy in because those ten, like, I'm sitting with a landlord and we're going to tank right now, but you guys, of course, have been through the injuries and still winning games at a good level there. Yeah, those guys are, are doing an excellent job of fighting through the injuries and just finding ways to make it work. I think that's really the key. When they lose a player, they find a way to work around it. And it really is that next man up mentality. And that's just, again, it goes back to that coaching staff. But I think John Robinson, the GM, deserves some credit, too, just for how he was able to load that roster. I mean, they're going now to their number three safety. You know, they've had two guys hurt. They're going to the number three, Kendrick Lewis, who coincidentally is so familiar with Dean Pease because of their time in Baltimore. He could step in and be the starter. Now, he may not bring the same spike against the run that Kenny Vaccaro brings, but he's still going to be a legit option. And then they have the backup, Dane Cruikshank, that, that could, uh, you know, the rookie that could come in and play too. So John Robinson has done a great job stacking the roster. One of their best pass rushers was a second-round pick in Harold Landry, and he's doing really well too. So they've done an excellent job. And speak about Marcus Mariota's development as a quarterback, and do you feel like now he's secured a second a Titans on a second second contract? You know his fifth year option comes up next year, and do you feel like around the building people believe that Marcus is the guy going forward? No need to draft a quarterback in Tennessee now. Yeah, I think he secured that that deal because if you look at it, uh, even before that game that he had this past week, you look at the Jaguars game, right? And and he came in and he was such a factor late in the game, his run, his completion to uh, Corey Davis, to both of which were for first downs, you know, in key situations, they found a way to let him be showcased. And that's really what it was all about and bringing Matt LaFleur in. And you're going to see Mariota statistically continue to elevate because he's going to get more and more comfortable in this scheme. So the whole thing around whether or not he's earned a contract, he definitely has. Now, it may not be a huge one like Aaron Rodgers, rightfully so, but I I think along the lines of Ryan Tannehill, you know, a Kirk Cousins type of deal, I think he should, he should more than easily be able to fetch because, you know, end of the day, when I look at him and I look at Kirk Cousins, I think Mariota's the better quarterback, to be honest with you. I can go with that because uh, uh, you like that? No, nah, Kurt, I hate that, brother. You're not that good. 
Hey, yeah. look, you just look at crunch time, you know, and that's when Kirk crumbles. <laughs> you got there, right? You got there, right? Now, look, if come this week, you can start off second quarter season, week five with the Bills. What are the keys this week's game against the Bills, Tron? Oh, yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, and watching a couple of the games against uh, the Bills, what, really what you have to do is just blitz those interior gaps. You know, send your, your inside linebackers in there to, to get that instant pressure. You also have to mix in those nickel blitzes, you know, blitz your corners. Because the problem that, that Josh Allen has is he's not the best at diagnosing the blitz. And, and and not being able to diagnose it, you obviously can't figure out a, a solution to it. So he doesn't know where his hots are all the time. So you could create different situations where, you know, you'll get a sack or you'll force him to make a bad throw. If you watch the Packers game, they blitz Martinez the one time. On the interior blitz, they flushed him out the pocket. And his big arm, that's a gift and a curse. Because using that big arm, he thinks that he can make some of these throws that he was able to make at Wyoming when they're going against Utah State. It's a little bit different. You know, you can't throw across your body in the middle of the field when when you're, you know, running to the opposite side and, and not expected to get picked off. So those are things that, that you have to do. Uh, defensively, I mean, they're a sound unit. You really have to establish the run. Really, it's going to come down to, you know, finding ways to free Corey Davis up against Trey Davis White. White is a very good corner, so you got to mix in some of those bunch formations and run some of those rub routes and force them to switch off. So now you got Davis, you know, um, in, in a better situation coverage-wise, and you could also move him across the formation like they did. You look at that touchdown against the Eagles. He was number three on the trip side. He ran that, that uh, deep over route. They got it matched up against Devontae Maddox, a fourth-round pick, and, and, and reserve safety, and they took advantage of it. Last one I got for you, brothers, is so Titans, I'll look at the rest of the year, bro. You think they're going to make the playoffs, be a wild-card team? Win that division. What's your feeling about the team for the last four games of the year, bro? Yeah, I think they'll be a playoff team, uh, a wild card team at the very least. I mean, they should definitely challenge for the division. You you know they have this history against the, the Jaguars, and I think Jacksonville really is the only threat within the division. So I wouldn't be shocked if they win the AFC South. I, I don't know that they'll go that far into the playoffs, but, I mean, once you get into the party, you never know. And the thing is, they now have a year of playoff experience. So, they got a pack-and-play team, too. You know, you look at their ability to run the football and play strong defense. So that, that definitely will help them go on the road anywhere and uh, take a crowd out immediately. So if they have to go to Arrowhead, if they have to go to Foxborough, that works in their favor. No doubt. Well, Toronto, thank you for joining the show today, man. Look forward to doing the game with you down the road. And I'll see you in November for that Patriots game up there, man. Yes, sir. I look forward to it. Thanks. All right, bro. Have a good one, man. You, too. All right, it's Tron Devon for people on the Boss Man Show. Tell me what you gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA Okay Maybe the night that my dreams might let me know All the stars are closed 
With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Because 
hey, you had a back injury, a neck injury. I know it was unfortunate, but you really didn't show much when you returned back. You wasn't shooting very well from the field and pick and roll or isolation. Your three ball was kind of off last year. So I feel like you have no you have no leverage to stand on right now. If you're Pat McCall, I, I get your stance, but you have no leverage or nothing to, nothing to back you up on what you're requesting or, or wanting to get out of this. Yeah, he really doesn't. He has, you know, not that, like we said, there's, there's no money left. The roster spots are pretty much taken up around the NBA right now. At this point, his best bet in the NBA is he wants to be elsewhere, that a team ponies up and gives him more than what the Warriors think he's worth, and that they give him a roster spot, which probably has to open due to an injury. And even his overseas options are limited now because the overseas teams pretty much have their rosters finalized and set. And any good money left overseas is gone as well. So he's really let this thing go further than anybody expected, and it's probably going to come back to bite him in the end. Now, Keith, what about Jimmy Butler? I haven't heard much this week about him getting traded. I know the Timberwolves at first didn't want to trade him, Tim, but I was being stubborn as usual. Uh, but Butler constantly he told Tibbs in August about, hey, he really wasn't seeing this working out. So it, do you think the Timberwolves misplayed this? It should have traded him in July, August maybe, and now it's going to the season, and now their year is pretty much starting off with a cloud over their head now, and who knows if I blow on the roster, they can't even compete in the deep Western Conference this year. Yeah, the challenge for them is he didn't really come public with the request to be traded until just fairly recently, over only over the last few weeks, and they weren't in a position in July or August where they were going to move him. They their intention was bring him back, bring back what had been a playoff team for the first time in a very long time in Minnesota. They're bringing it back basically intact with a couple of you know minor moves around the edges of the rotation. And their hope was we'll get back at this thing and get back to the playoffs. And then Butler surprises them with this out of nowhere seemingly I want to be traded, even though there is some buzz that he was unhappy in the locker room. That's different from trade me, I want out of here. And now all of a sudden the Wolves are kind of in this holding pattern where they're asking for a ransom for Butler, but nobody's going to pay it because other teams are looking at it and saying, I'm not going to give you that much, and you're not going to get it from anywhere else, so you've got to come back to me with a much more reasonable ask, and then maybe we can start getting serious about this. And, uh, Keith, this is why I want to kind of tie this into this right here is that with so much money coming up this summer for teams having cap room, why would you trade for him now? And, and and that's why I want to also kind of tie in this too, Keith. We would not have as many of these deadline salary dumps per se because teams would say, I'm going to give up a pick. I can eat the salary for the rest of the year and wait and fall off, falls off in July anyway. Now I've got the cap room. So I don't foresee so many trades this year because of teams looking at, well, look, I'm going to be on the cap anyway. That means let this guy right out the year and I have the money come July. Yeah, no, you're right. So as far as Butler goes, that's the prevailing thought with quite a few of the teams are we're not going to give up a big package for this guy because we'll just sign him when he's a free agent if we want to go get him and he's interested in being here anyway. That's the thought of the big market teams like the Clippers and the Knicks and, and maybe even the Lakers. Those teams are saying there's no reason to go trade for this guy because we have the cap space that we can make this happen if we want in the summer. The other challenge for or just every free agent in general is this is going to be a great summer to get paid. But if you're not paid in that first wave, that first really week or two of deals, it, that money is going to dry up very, very quickly. We see this anytime there's a lot of cap space around the NBA. 
teams just can't help themselves. They spend a ton of money right away, and that's where it goes. As far as trade deadline, we'll see. Sometimes what ends up happening is guys who are on expiring contracts become a little more movable because teams say, well, hey, they, I'm not really taking on any risk. I can just move this guy, and then I can end up with uh, – you know, getting that money off the books this summer anyway, and it's not going to have any long-term impact to the cap. So a lot of that will depend on what teams are where and who needs what when it gets around the trade deadline. And I want to see this now, now Keith, now, you know, I kind of assume the Warriors will win this year, but who are some teams that may be threatening them in the Western Conference and maybe out east, you know, could it be a Boston, Toronto, Houston maybe? Uh, the Lakers, maybe, or OKC. How, who do you feel has a legitimate threat to the Warriors this year? Yeah, I mean, you name the big ones in the West. It's, it's the Rockets for certain. They were right there last year. The Rockets, I know a lot of people are down on them because they lost Trevor Riza, and, and are they going to be better or worse? But they've still got a lot of talent there. I'll tell you, you got to watch in that lineup that they love, and they think he's going to be a better fit for them than Ariza was, and that's James Ennis, who is really, you know, seems to find the team for him where he's going to work best. Then you've got OKC. They've got a lot of talent. Plus a very good defensive team when they're fully healthy, especially if they've Andre Robertson back. You need to have a lot of those guys who are in that, you know, 6'5 to 6'8, six, 6'9 six, range that can switch and do a lot of things. And OKC has that. Utah believes their defense can, you know, compete and hold the Warriors down enough to be competitive. And then on the east side, it's Boston and Toronto. Those are the two teams that are feeling like, hey, we could go for this. Philadelphia is very much happy with their situation, likes their guys. But title contention is probably a year or two away for them. So it's really Boston and Toronto getting in there and saying, hey, we've got enough guys. We've got the defenders. We've got the versatile roster that if we get there, we can make a run at the Warriors. And now, Keith, uh, I want to talk about the new coaches. No, you got Steve Clifford in Orlando, got Lloyd Pierce here in Atlanta, and then Memphis Bickerstaff became the, the full-time head coach. And I wanted to ask you, based on what you looked at this year, who are some new coaches who you believe will have the most success this year coming into your team's year one? Yeah, it's the, the guy who immediately comes to mind is Mike Woodenholzer with the Milwaukee Bucks. It sounds like, you know, he's in, uh, in just a great spot there. That was a good team already that just really needed to have a coach um, that was a little bit better than Jason Kidd or Joe Prunty. So Coach Bud's going to do a really good job there. Dick Nurse will do a nice job with Toronto, just an established roster. As long as Kawhi Leonard stays healthy, even though he's a first-time head coach, he should have a solid run at things. So those are two guys who come come to mind immediately for me that I think are going to get a lot of pub as far as guys to really help maybe take teams to the next step or get them past where they had been previously. If I want to guy for you, Keith, is does Kawhi Leonard finish the Finishing Toronto, does he force his way out in the deadline, or they realize he won't sign there, or you know he'll end up staying there long term? In your opinion? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he's going to force his way out of the deadline, but I don't think he's going to be there long term either. I think what you'll see is Kawhi will have a nice season for the Raptors, probably have them competitive and in the mix for the you know top of the Eastern Conference, and then I think you're going to see him move on after that and head back to the West Coast. That seems how this was going to play out all along. The Lakers and Clippers are both in position to be able to add Kawhi without doing too much else beyond just you know clearing out some some of their cap holds for their free agents. They'll be able to sign him. So I think you're going to see him have a nice year in Toronto and then move on to the West Coast. 
And one more on Toronto before we close up here, Keith. Does if so if Kawhi Leonard leaves, does that pretty much guarantee that Cal Lowry will be traded in the offseason somewhere else? Because that team will be blown up pretty pretty soon after that. Yeah, it probably depends a lot on how this season goes. If the Raptors have a really good season, if they make the finals, even if they lose Kawhi, they'll just go back in and try to get whoever the next guy is that they can bring in and, and try to replace him as best they can. If they have a disappointing season, let's say they don't even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and have another early playoff flameout, I think you're going to see Masai Ujiri say, you know what, it's time to make some serious changes here in Toronto, and I think you're going to see that roster look drastically different next season than it does right now. I hear you, Nick. Keith, thank you so much for your time again, brother. Hey, enjoy Orlando, my favorite place, my hometown, man. That's why I love having the show. You know, I know you, you know how it is down in my, in my hometown, so I love you for that, man. Have a great one. Talk to you real soon this season, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, folks. It's Keith Smith on the Boss Man Show. summer. Luckily, Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard has your back. Just feed your grass with Scott's again this fall when the air is cool and the soil is warm. It's the perfect time to give your lawn a boost. If you do, Winter Guard will give your yard the nourishment it needs to help weak, thin grass recover and support root growth, giving you a greener, more resilient lawn both now and next spring. Guaranteed. Grab a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard today. You'll be back to barbecuing in no time. This is a Scott's Yard. Jared, the boss man show, but you're joined by a good friend of mine who's moved to Dallas, Texas. Football area, they work at NBC down there, sports covering TV, doing the Cowboys, the Mail, the Stars. I was from Dallas, my man Paul Jones. Paul, how you doing, brother? I hate you move from Tennessee, but I know you're doing things in, in Texas, man. How's it down there, man? Boss, it is fantastic. I'm enjoying it. I've been here about six months after 16 years in Nashville. And, uh, you know, I miss certain things about Nashville. Great city, but it's hard to beat the sport here in DF-Dub. You got that right. You got the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. You got the Mavs, the Stars. You got a lot going on with TCU around on the corner. SMU's coming up. You got a lot of sports in that hub like that's really big and going for you guys down there in Dallas. Yeah, we just need a winner. That makes it a whole lot more fun to cover. And, uh, you know, after last week, I think Cowboys fans are a little more hopeful. Uh, they were kind of been an ebb and flow in terms of emotion for Cowboys fans. After the opener in Carolina, people were pretty down. Then after the Cowboys beat the Giants on Sunday Night Football the following week, people were talking about going to the Super Bowl. Then that talk calmed down after the loss of Seattle, and then finally a win last Sunday against the Lions. Although, the fact that that was as close as it was uh, would temper a little bit of my enthusiasm if I were a Cowboys fan. And I mean, I guess I am a Cowboys fan to a certain degree. It's good business, right? You got that right. Now, 
Offensively now, uh, I'm looking at the offense. I just feel like they need somebody who can stretch that field. Chance Williams is missing off the field personal reasons, whatever Jason Garrett said said today. Uh, you also have, you know, Hearns and those guys. Uh, but you, to me, you need. A, I know Dez Bryant was what he was, but he did pose a down the field option that gave you a threat. But I feel like Dak Prescott tends to check the ball down, not take a risk. So I feel like it's a catch twenty two. So if Dak would take more chances, maybe you could get more. Support. Most of the plays down the field, maybe, for the Cowboys' offense. I think the Cowboys' offensive coordinator, Scott Linehan, is still trying to tinker a little bit. We're still early in the season. There certainly were a lot of dump-down passes at times. But Dak has also shown a, a great proficiency throwing the ball deep. Connected with Tavon Austin for a long touchdown against the Giants. He hit Zeke Elliott on the game-winning drive last Sunday against the Lions on a huge pass play that was a beautifully arced ball into, into Zeke's hands. And so... Dak certainly can do it, but you do need some wide receiver help, and a lot of people around here don't really feel like the Cowboys address that issue after losing Des Bryant or letting him go. And then the sudden retirement of Jason Witten, the, the trusty tight end who Dak could always you know, find open in the red zone and, and lead to a touchdown. So with those two guys gone, the big question was how will the Cowboys you know, do in the passing game? They tried to do it by committee, and it hasn't shown a lot of uh, payoff at this point. I know uh, Des Bryant is still out there and still tweeting about wanting to come back to the Cowboys, but everything I'm hearing on this end is that the Cowboys aren't interested in that. Yeah, I think he should move on. I'm like, dude, uh, they don't want you. They cut you. And I feel like he's, he's, like, that, he's like that ex that still loves his ex-girlfriend and she doesn't want him anymore, but he still loves her no matter what. <laughs> that's how I feel. That's how I look at Des Bryant. Dude, it's over. They don't want you anymore. They, they let you go. And Jerry Jones is a good salesman. He played you. He signed off on you leaving, sir. He's the one who said, okay, let's do it. And you're missing that whole point. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I think he's, you know, he's hoping that some of these struggles in the early going in the passing game will maybe make the Cowboys change their minds. But certainly doesn't appear that. And the fact that they beat the Lions on Sunday and they got to 2-2 two and two on the season, I mean, that's a whole lot different than 1-3. and three. You have a lot of reason for optimism being 2-2 two and two after four weeks. Uh, NFC East is looking wide open. A lot of crazy things happening last Sunday. Um, so, you know, who knows? But I, I definitely get the feeling that as much as Dez wants to come back and wear the star, he needs to look elsewhere. And, you know, people are kind of wondering what's taking so long. And it sounds like he's been somewhat choosy. He had a chance with the Ravens earlier in the offseason. Uh, that didn't work out or he didn't take it, whatever the case. And I'm wondering if he regrets that a little bit at this point. I think he does. Uh, three years, $21 million, $10 million guaranteed in year one. That's what he was offered, and he told Tony down. But he'll never admit that he regrets it. He would never admit that. I'm, I'm going to say he, he would tell James Slater or Mike Fisher probably. If he did. <laughs> hey, I've only been here six months. Give me some time, although, yeah, that one may be a tough one to crack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll do that. That's where he'll, he'll leak that story. <laughs> yeah, source. <laughs> Dan's Bryant tells Mike Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. He's not get you in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, no comment after this. I'm done with that topic. Yeah, yeah. So let me talk to Cowboy defense. Sean Lee's hurt again, but Jet, my, my man from Notre Dame Smith is playing well. I see the the, Ricky, the young guys, Lewis and Byron Jones and Owuze out there working hard, Tank Long doing his thing. So does the Cowboy defense 
have enough, Paul, in your opinion, that they could make a run in the playoffs, maybe, with the NFC's being kind of down right now, and with those young guys grow up some more, and Sean Lee gets healthy for a good stretch to get them over the hump there in the quarters two, three, and four this season here going forward. Well, certainly they have the talent on the defense side of the ball. You mentioned Sean Lee's injury. Leighton Vander Esch, their first-round pick, has stepped up huge. I think the Cowboys coaching staff is really impressed by what they've seen from that young guy, and uh, 55 is making a lot of plays out there. He has a lot of feed. He's getting guys quickly after they catch the ball, and he's taking them down decisively. So I think there's a lot of enthusiasm about guys like him. Uh, the Hot Boys, they're the guys who get the sacks up front, uh, led by DeMarcus Lawrence. I mean, DeMarcus is having an incredible season. A guy playing under the franchise tag. He's handled it with a great attitude. He didn't complain, and he said, you know what? I don't even want to talk about it. I'm going to go out there and do my job. And I think he's eyeing that big payday next year. And kudos to him, because he's gobbling up quarterbacks almost every Sunday. And I think that the Cowboys defense does have the talent to uh, to help the Cowboys make make a run this season. But as was shown in the, the, the opener against Carolina, the offense is going to have to get points. And if the offense is inconsistent, which it has been throughout four games this year, and it stays that way throughout the entire season. No matter how good the Cowboys' defense is, I'm not sure it's going to get a job done. So it's hand-in-hand, hand. the offense, the defense, the special teams. They all have to make the plays. And, um, you know, shout-out to the special teams. Brett Maher, the kicker for the Cowboys, missed his first attempt of the season. He was the guy who the Cowboys opted to go with instead of their longtime kicker, Dan Bailey. Uh, a shocking cut on cut day, letting uh, Bailey go. They go with Maher, a guy who had uh, never made a field goal in the NFL. He comes in his first attempt against the Panthers, misses it, you're thinking, boy, this could be devastating for him and his psyche, but he's bounced back, and he's drilled him ever since, including that game winner against the Lions on the final play of the game. So, it's a team game, uh, boss, as you know, and the defense can be as good as it wants to be, but... I don't think this is going to be like a Ravens Super Bowl team where the offense can be and the defense carries the way. I think they both have to have really good seasons going forward. You got that right. Now, last question for the Cowboys I got for you is this. How close is the deal for Earl Thomas? Did Jerry Jones, was he going to give them a second-round pick if Seattle would take it, or that never got that close at all? From everything I've heard, it never got that close. The Cowboys did not want to part with as much as the Seahawks were asking for. And, uh, you know, as much as, as Earl Thomas wanted to come to Dallas, he made that clear uh, at the end of last season when he ran up to the Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett in the tunnel and said, come get me, coach, come get me. You know, I'm sure there was an interest from the Cowboys because Earl Thomas is quite a talent, but uh, from everything I've heard, it never got, you know, that close to happening. And, you know, then poor Earl Thomas, you know, look what happened to him last week. And, um, you know, you, you hate it for him, but uh, it's not going well for him. But the Cowboys, I think, you know, feel okay about not not uh, making that move. And uh, what is the Mavs' outlook for this year? Uh, we know they got DeAndre Jordan finally in Dallas after this year's <laughs> <laughs> he bailed out on, on with that whole weird Clippers deal. You got to go Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews on last year's deal there. You know, you got, you know, you get young, you got the kid Donchitz that you drafted. The Hawks should have drafted, in my opinion, but the Hawks made a horrible trade with you guys. That's what's <laughs> the Thank you. Thank you, boss. <laughs> <laughs> the day. <laughs> you know, but how do you feel like they'll do this year to say, please the Hawks for Luka Donchitz, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Mavs owe the Hawks, I think, when this is, this is all said and done. Uh, Luka Doncic looks like a spectacular talent. Uh, we haven't had a lot of chance to see him so far. He wasn't active much during the summer league, but we did get a chance to see him last Saturday night uh, in an exhibition game against a Beijing Ducks. Now, granted, that talent isn't what he's going to face uh, night in and night out in the NBA, but still, we got to see a lot of him in the open floor. He's 6'7". He has great speed, great agility. I mean, he's listed as a guard and a small forward. It's like Matt Johnson almost, the way he can run around, drill. 
dribble with the basketball, go hard to the rim. I mean, he looks like an incredible talent. And I know Mark Cuban, uh, the Mavs owner, is ecstatic to have that guy. And I think the Mavericks will be better this year than they were a year ago. But will they be a playoff team? It's hard to say at this point. I mean, Rick, Rick Carlisle, the head coach, wouldn't go that far. In fact, he wouldn't even put a number on the number of wins he thinks they can get this year. But I think he is optimistic about what he has. You know, Dennis Smith Jr. has a year under his belt. He presumably will only get better. And um, DeAndre Jordan, I mean, you mentioned him. Uh, great to finally have have him in a Mavs uniform. He joked on, on uh, media day. People from the media were saying, you know, you seem so personable. We haven't seen, seen this side of you, DeAndre. And he, he looked at one of the reporters and said, well, for the last three years, y'all hated me. So I probably wasn't likely to open up too much in interviews. But uh, he's ready to do it now, and he, he's going to be a great fit as well, I think. I'll tell you what, he's there. We're seeing you in Atlanta, hopefully, on the 18th of November when the Cowboys come to town. Mm. Hopefully, I'll see you there because uh... – it's a big game for us, man. Yeah, how about how about those Falcons? It'll, it'll, it'll be a Matt Ryan Silent County home game as usual in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Cowboys and travel. <laughs> hey, we had the Saints here. Matt Ryan, Silent County home. The Panthers, Silent County home. The Bengals, Silent County home. What, what's going on in Atlanta? We have a new stadium, but we have our own quarterback going to a Silent County home. Another game. I think it's Cowboys, Silent County home. I can see it, I can see it coming there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, book it. Book it, boss. <laughs> you got that right. Hey, man, good to see you on the show. Congrats on all your sets in Dallas, man. I've been following you on Twitter, of course, and hopefully I'm Waffle and the dog can be healthy for Australia and get that number 18 Grand Slam for us and catch the Fed man himself as BG calls him RL 2.0. It's going to be interesting. We got 20 for Fed, 17 for Rafa, and now Djokovic coming back strong to this year. Now he's up to 14. It's going to be interesting how it all shakes out when all those guys are finally done playing. But at the rate they're going, boss, they may play until they're in their 40s. Who knows? Hey, I'm telling you, man, the Australia fifth set. And the fifth set against Douglas at Wimbledon hurts my heart for Rafa. He I know. Don't, at, don't bring RG. it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, a Dallas guy, I think, uh, played a role in uh, Rafa not w- winning Wimbledon this year. John Isner, as you know, has moved to Dallas. His wife is from here. They recently just had a baby. And, you know, if if I fully believe if Isner and Anderson hadn't been the first match on that day and lasted so long – uh, that Rafa Djokovic match would have gotten played with the roof open. Yes, and indeed. as you know, Rafa's a different guy with the roof open than he is with the roof closed. And he still almost won the match even with the roof closed. But I think he would have had the advantage if uh, if that Anderson-Isner match had ended maybe in three sets instead of five. We need a fifth set tiebreaker. We need it. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Need a fifth he, set breaker for real to help out our man Rafa and get these matches done sooner, please. <laughs> hey, I think the U.S. Open proved that you know more and even more than ever this year, uh, having that having that in play. And you know, I don't know, VG. I'm not sure what his stance on whether these other uh, major tournaments will ever come around. But I think you know, you and I are certainly hoping for that, and a lot of tennis fans are hoping for that because we think it'll be better for the game in the long run and the health of these players. Yes, and you know John Isner has about been the same since Wimbledon. He's pretty much tapped out. And Anderson, he made a good run at the U.S. Open. He tapped out as well. So, in Rafa at the Open, put all the long matches to guys can ease eventually. But I also him just playing long matches, but still. But that fifth set, set breaker is very important to help the players, TV partners, and fans. Because we don't want to be sitting there seven hours in this hold, hold, hold. We want an ending point. That's why we love basketball, football. Also, what's baseball? We know we have an ending point in those sports there. 
Oh, and the, the, the drama, the buildup, when these players reach six all in the fifth set, when you know it's heading to a breaker, it's incredible television. And, and how the players function in that moment, knowing that it's, the match is potentially only seven points away from ending, uh, is, is amazing to me. It's great theater, and um, you know, I definitely hope, hope they get it together and make that call at some point soon. Yes, it will. PJ, I'm telling you, man, thanks for coming on the show. First time on the show, I'm glad to finally have you on the Boss Man Show. We'll talk again, Cowboy Falcon Week. We got to talk again that week for sure and get, get a preview of that game for the fans here in Dallas and here in Atlanta to know what, what to expect on the field on the 18th of November in Atlanta. Okay, count me in. I'd love to, boss. <laughs> All right, have a good one, buddy. Talk to you real soon, man. All right, take care. All right, it's Paul Jones, people, on the Boss Man Show. tan from suntan city gives you an inner glow that relights the fire when you run into your first crush vicky who is that an old boyfriend lucky you just tanned at suntan city lucky he's single we're doing lunch tomorrow won't be single for long then during tour of the city try all five tans including spray tan for just $4.99 restrictions may apply click to buy now Man show time to go out 20 west up 78 out 22 to Memphis, Tennessee. To my man, about the head, he about he had a great weekend of Memphis madness. Penny Hardaway back in the city, the Memphis Tigers are back. Allegedly, it's the man himself, Click Sports Bar and Billiards. Till like it is, show it is JC Smith. What's good, my good brother? Yo, what's good? <laughs> what's going on, man? Man, bro, try to get these Falcons to stop somebody, bro. <laughs> man, they can't stop a middle school football team right now, man. <laughs> they sure can't, bro. And got Pittsburgh who can look here. Big Ben and Antonio Brown will get real healthy against the the Falcons this week. I know, right? Yeah, man. Falcons they'll get it together eventually, man. They too talented of a team. I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries on Defensive front, man. Matter of fact, they called me. See if I can play safety for them, man. That's how bad it's getting for the Falcons, man. Hey, sign you to like a ten day contract, man. What? I told him I give y'all, I give y'all a series, man. Like one series, man. That's all I got in, man. <laughs> one series, but bro, no need. No, who still want their old girlfriend? They want the old boo back. Is Dez Bryant? He talking about he want to be with the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. <laughs> like, bro, it's like, it's, I know how sometimes when you break up with a chick or she break up with you, how it's something about them. You can't let them go. You just can't let, let it right. go. You got to have them right. no matter what. That Dez right. and Dallas Cowboys, but the, guess what? The, the, the girlfriend don't want him back. She's like, Dez, it's over. I'm done, Dez. We let you go. 
And he believed that Jerry Jones still loves him. If he loved him, he would have you on the roster. He the one made the final call and let you go. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't get it, bro. How he can't see it. I mean, I don't understand. Yeah, man, it's sad, man. You know what I'm saying? It's a sad situation to where, you know, you talk about a guy who was, you know, uh, uh, Pro Bowl, elite, you know, elite caliber receiver, man, and he can't even, can't even get on nobody's roster right now, man, and he's 100% healthy. You know, he can't use injury as an excuse, man. So, you know, this is a weird situation, I know. And I think he's kind of doing himself a disservice also by staying on Twitter. And you know what I'm saying, and making those comments, man. He probably would, you know, been better served just to, just to chill, bro, and just you know, just wait, you know, wait on somebody to call you, man. You don't have to, you know, because you look thirsty right now with all mm-hmm. the comments and everything he was saying, man. You know, oh, I think the Patriots might uh might try to holler at him, man. You know, uh, you know what I'm saying, all they, all their foolishness, man. So, you know, this is not a good look for him right now, man. You know, he's trying to come back, come back home, but you know. They say love don't live here no more, man. Exactly. And, like, uh-huh. I wonder does he regret not going to Cleveland now, now that, that Baker Mayfield, the quarterback in, in Cleveland now, not, not Tyrod Taylor. It was a one-year, five-million-dollar deal they offered in Cleveland. Remember, in Baltimore, three years, 21 million, 10 million guaranteed. Man, he down. took their money, man. Yeah. And he's looking he so bad right now. Yeah, man, it's not, it's not a good look at all for my guy, man, you know. And, you know, by all accounts, Dez is a good guy, man. You know, he's just – I don't know if he's being, you know, misguided by agents or is that just his own doing right now that's really causing him to, you know, have to sit out. Because he may, he may be looking at sitting out this whole season at this point, man. And it's his own fault. Yeah. And, like I said in previous shows we've had together, he – did not have the foresight to see that they're right on the wall. They're going to cut me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should have forced the cut before the league year started in Mar- on March 9th yeah. to get in frequency, yep. get in that rush. But he's so – like, I'm sorry. I am not that loyal to anything that I'm going to hurt myself. Exactly. Exactly, man. I think it's you know, a little loyalty, you know, kind of blind to him there also, and I realize it's a business. He's supposed to cut you, you know, in a heartbeat, man. You know, without thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I hope that, you know, he can bounce back maybe next year. Because, you know, he's still he's 29 years old. He's still relatively young, you know. You know, maybe his best years are behind him. But he, he can still be a, you know, red zone threat, man, guy that could be, you know, a potential, you know, double-digit touchdown, you know, a season type of guy. You know, but he's got to, you know, just, just latch on to the, you know, the right team, man, and, you know, and, and all that good stuff. But his days as a cowboy, they're definitely done, man. And if Dez was know how loyalty means nothing and business means anything, look at Earl Thomas. The guy left exactly. his party and sold out there for the Seahawks. They wouldn't pay no him. Doubt. He breaks his leg again, second time in three years. Gives them again. the burden on, on the cart or on the way off the field. Then think about it, what happened to Seattle. A lot of their bad moments have happened in Glendale, Arizona, University of Phoenix Stadium. Uh, the Super Bowl, Sherman's mm-hmm. uh, Achilles injury, and mm-hmm. Tom- Earl Thomas. The Legion of Boom literally died in Arizona. Exactly. And yeah, what are your thoughts man. on that, bro? That was, that was sad. That was sad also, man. You know, I was hoping that Cowboys could have made a deal for him. 
Uh, you saw why we needed him by uh, a two-interception game he had against us there. But, uh, yeah, man, you know, like, and, and could this possibly be, the, you know, the end, we're talking about the end of uh, era for the you Seahawks know, defense, it's the end of career for, um, you know, for my man Earl Thomas now at this point, you know, because it's going to be hard to bounce back after two, you know, two major uh, uh, knee injuries there, man. So, you know, and, and another question, boss, if his career is over at this point, is he a Hall of Famer in your eyes? I mean, if Sherman get in the Hall of Fame, he owes half of the jacket to Earl Thomas, who covered that at mid-middle yeah. for him. Because Richard, Richard yeah. Sherman is, is a cover three zone corner. Don't 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 don't, yeah. don't make no mistake about it. It looks like his man. It's cover three zone. Okay. Exactly. So uh, exactly, man. He owes half a jacket to Earl Thomas covering that that, that, that middle third for him. While Cam Chancellor the down the line, line at the line screaming mm-hmm. stuff stuff in the run. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, bro. Exactly, bro. We kind of touched on it jokingly off the air, bro, but the Atlanta Falcons, bro, the Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I like Coach Quinn personally, bro, but on game, I feel like he fails on game day. Like, he makes decisions that does not help us out. Like, going forward for, in the first, first half on fourth and five on your own territory, but then not going forward and then they'll get conservative with it before the half. And then fourth quarter, uh-huh. just running the ball, not making the Bengals force to call, make them call a timeout. I feel like he does – when it comes to offensive decisions, he's not good at them. Defensively, fine. You play, you play what you play from Seattle. But offensively, when it comes to like time management, key decisions coaching-wise, challenge-wise, he doesn't give us advantage on game, on game day, bro. No doubt. No doubt, man. Hey, uh, like I said, man, hey, bro, run that back. <laughs> I got distracted. Run that back, man. Say it one more time for you, bro. Hey, bro. <laughs> I, I think my man I saw, said a big booty whenever he was there, people. He saw a wagon and he got distracted. Wagon, I got distracted, bro. <laughs> <laughs> one more time, right? <laughs> I was talking about Dan Quinn, man. The Falcons on game day, how he's just not a good game day manager. Does not give you advantage on game day coaching wise. Uh, with the situation on, on, on like going forward on fourth down, on, on side of the field in the first quarter, timeouts, use when they use them, not to use them, uh, going conservative at the end of in the halves, and when Matt Ryan can, can push the ball down the field. So, what are your thoughts on Dan Quinn, his coaching style, and could he be on the way out in uh, Atlanta? I wouldn't say on the way out. Um, I think his coaching style leaves, you know, a lot to be desired. You know what I'm saying? Cause, you know, he came in primarily as a defensive-minded coach there. Um, you know, game management, not necessarily his expertise. But I wouldn't say on the way out. Cause, I mean, the Falcons are still a playoff team, you know, when healthy. You know what I'm saying? You know, and – and, and maybe, like, it's, it could still be, you know, just that Super Bowl hangover. You know, it's been over a year, you know. But to lose a Super Bowl like that, man, you know, can still, you know, linger. You know, linger in the air there. And, you know, and, and the injuries are definitely unfortunate. Unfortunate thing, man. But, you know, I would just definitely, I, I would say, you know, ride it out with him, man, and just see what you got at the end of the year with him. But, like, if, if the Falcons fire him, hell, we'll gladly take him to Dallas. Well, you know, Jason Garrett has, like, the ultimate job security. He's so close to the Jones, I don't think he'll ever break him off. Exactly. Well, hey, I wouldn't be so sure of that this year, boss. If they go 8-8 and miss playoffs, I wouldn't be so sure of that, bro. 
how can we keep Jason? I think this could be the end of Jason Garrett, man. I got, I got a feeling. You got a feeling. I got you. I got That's a feeling, it. bro. Hey, I just hope they lose to the Falcons on the 18th of, of November. All I hope. Lose. I, I can't wait to see that happen. I'm going to have fun. <laughs> I hear you, man. <laughs> I'm going to be like, uh, hey, hey, uh, hey, Dak, tap dancer. How you doing, brother? Zeke Elliott, <laughs> tap dance. <laughs> Raccoon, huh? Raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> Man, don't, don't do him like that, boss. Don't do him like that, boss. Bro, I'm going to come out there with a daggum cane and start tap dance. <laughs> Man, you a fool, bro. Don't be so mean, bro. Don't be so mean. Come out there tap dancing, playing, lift every voice and sing to them both. <laughs> this, does this hurt you? This hear this bother you? <laughs> oh, fool, bro. Hey, last thing I got for you, bro, is this. The Panthers signed Eric Reed. Uh, he has no plans to drop his case of collusion against the NFL, and he he's, he's back in the league again. Now, my question is: Will he will he kneel tomorrow, or will he stand? That's my biggest question. But how you feel about him being back in the league? How you feel about him still having his collusion case against the NFL, even though he signed with, with the Panthers for a one year, one point nine million dollar contract? Hey man, I'm glad you know he's back in the league. You know he definitely deserved to be. No reason why he should have, you know, been out of the league in the first place. You know what I'm saying? But um, I think I, – I hope he does. You know, Neil shows some form of solidarity there, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think I think he will, man. I think he will just kind of, you know, to rub it, rub it in the face, rub it in the nose of the, uh, of the NFL there, man. That's what I would do. So I hope he definitely uh, abides by that, man, and, and, you know, does something to show, hey, I tried to get rid of him. I tried to keep me out, but I'm, I'm here, bro. And it hurts, bro, because I told Dan Quinn and Arthur Blank to sign him. They gave me a look like we don't need him here. He might be too controversial. And the division rival got him of all the teams. Right. Of all when you the could, teams. You need him. Like, they need him bad. Right. And you pass over because of what? You're in Atlanta, a town where it would go over very well, him being him doing what he do. Exactly. But hey, exactly, man. They thought about money first. And speaking of money, we know you y'all are making money at this sports bar in Memphis. So talk to the people about clicks. Have not heard about clicks on the show. I do listen to bro, because you might not know. We have now picked up fourteen new affiliates here on the Boston Man Radio Network here. So oh, not, love, not, not heard about clicks. What's why Memphis? Tell them about clicks. What you got to do down here with the Three Kings in Memphis, brother? Man, you know, clearly go down each and every Saturday night. You know how we do it, man. You know, the liveest karaoke spot in the city, baby. It's what we do, man. So make sure you come on out. If you're in the city, man, tonight is popping, man. Come through. Drinks on me. Drinks on me. Just say, just say JC at the bar and you get one free drink on me, man. How about that? No doubt, folks. You go to Clicks. It's live. It's in color. It's personable. You got DJ Sweets, Brandon up with, and JC on the microphones with your help doing your karaoke thizzle at Clicks. What's wrong, Billiards? Get your good food. Get your billiards in over there on Malco Way in the city of Memphis, baby. Bruh, good, good to talk to you, my man. We'll get it next week, bruh. Hold it down tonight at Clicks, my good brother. All right, boss. I'm going to get up with you, my guy. Appreciate you. No doubt, bro. Take it easy, homie. All right, boss.
finally get to make some of your own decisions. Who are you going to hang out with? What do you want to be? Are you going to glance at that text while driving? Remember, a split second is all it takes for something tragic to happen. Be in the zone. Turn off your phone. Visit childrenshospital.vanderbilt.org slash B-I-T-Z to learn more about our teen driver safety program. Brought to you by the Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt, the Ford Motor Company Fund, and the Allstate Foundation. Hello, my name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student-athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academics.com and athleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404 542 607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's your man JC, the host with the most, baby, and it goes down each and every Saturday night right here in the city of Memphis. That's right, y'all. It goes down at Clicks Sports Bar Memphis, baby. 3705 Malco Way, Memphis, Tennessee, 38125. Come out and join us, the Three Kings, each and every Saturday night for the liveest karaoke in the city. Everybody gets in free till 10 p.m., only $5 after. Great food. We got drink specials. We got all kind of games, man. We got the pool tables popping. Whatever you want, we got you, man. Come on out. Have a good time with us each and every Saturday night. That's Clicks Sports Bar, Memphis. For all your photo, video, and voiceover needs, check out the fine folks at Blu-ray Productions. They will take good care of you. If you don't believe me, you can see for yourself. Check out their work at BlueberryProductions.tv, the Facebook page, Blueberry Productions, also a Vimeo page, a YouTube page, and it's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-E-R-R-Y, Prod on Twitter. Check them out today. Blueberry Productions, great people, great work, great service. Thank you.